This is Garden Variety, a horticulture podcast from Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. I'm Charity Nebbe. The leaves have fallen and snow is falling, but that doesn't mean you need to spend all winter inside. There is work to be done and wonder to be found in the woods. Billy Beck is our forestry guide today. He is assistant professor of natural resource ecology and management at Iowa State University. Hello, Billy. Hi, Charity. Thank you so much for being here today. And before we get to the wonder of the woods, let's start with the work of the woods, because uh, people do ask us all year long, when can I prune? When can I do this? When can I do that? So is this time of year actually a good time of year for getting some work done? Uh, I would say yes. Um, I I love winter. Winter is the time of year that I really fell in love with the forest and forestry um, and I, I would say just off the top of my head, this, this late fall, we've kind of pushed the fast forward button here yeah. <laughs> into winter, but, uh, this late fall period, um, the top of my list is getting out and identifying and controlling invasive woodland plant species. Um, I always kind of say, wait a little bit longer to prune maybe in late winter. And Aaron and I were just talking about this, but if you were to do one thing right now, um, they stick out like a sore thumb, many of them. They're really easy to spot. Um, and now is a great time to start controlling these problematic uh, non-native invasive plant species in our in our woodlands. Yeah, let's talk about that. And actually, I've been acutely aware of invasive honeysuckle lately. Right now, it seems to be the only thing that still has leaves in the woods. And I've been removing some from my property, which makes me see it everywhere. And oh my gosh, Billy, I see it everywhere. So tell me about this invasive honeysuckle and and what we are seeing. Yeah, you're right. And I I always um, encourage folks, like the first step is just to to educate yourself on identification. And it's a lot more than invasive honeysuckle. There's other things like non-native bittersweet and buckthorn and um, a lot of honestly common landscape plants that you can find at your local, you know, home improvement store, you know, things like Japanese barberry, um, burning bush, both beautiful species, but you see those a lot popping up in our, in our woodlands and they, they often start uh, in your yard in, in town. So um, you're right. This is the, the best time of year to kind of, well, this in spring, they leaf out very early and they keep their leaves late, which gives them a competitive advantage against our, our native species. But yeah, we've got resources. I'm going to do a lot of plugs today. Okay. Uh, we've got resources on our natural resource stewardship extension website about how to identify and control uh, these invasive species. And I say control because I really feel you're never going to be able to eradicate these things from the landscape. It's all about kind of controlling them and keeping them at a level that they don't do any ecological or or economic harm uh, to to our woodlands. But yeah, I would say start getting out and identifying. And once you know how to identify these things, you're going to start seeing them everywhere. So not not only if you own land or or are a steward of a a woodland, start walking around your city parks, uh, public areas, green belts, and you're going to really start noticing these. When, let's say, they are on your land, I mean, when you notice them, is it a good idea to tie something around the tree, flag it so that you can deal with it later in the season when those leaves are gone? Actually, um, now is a great time. When the leaves are on, now is a great time to address them. Um, Just thinking about their physiology, right now, they're tending to pull their resources down from the top, from the crowns, and, and placing them back into their roots. So a lot of times, if you do want to use chemical to control them, 
um, that will translocate that chemical down to the roots and really hit them, hit them hard. So um, there's, yes, but if you want, I would go ahead and you could flag them for later, um, addressing them later through mechanical or cultural methods. But um, right now, especially, is a good time physiologically to, to hit them with, with chemical if you do um, if you do want to do that. Well, and, and so if you do choose to go that route, of course, people who choose to go that route often are very concerned about making sure that they're not damaging other plants yep. or putting yep. too much of these chemical controls into the environment. So what's your method? What's the, the most responsible method? I'd say the most responsible method is educating yourself on, obviously, ident- identifying what you're attacking. That's the first one. I would highly recommend working with a professional forester. And again, plug, you can find those contacts for your county on our Natural Resource Stewardship webpage. Um, Work with that professional forester. They're going to be your guide on chemical recommendations and, you know, IDing uh, these species. And honestly, too, like explaining and and demonstrating to you how these will could negatively impact your woodlands. And I'd say top of that list is the label is the law. Always go by the label on that chemical or herbicide. I hear a lot of people saying, what if I just double it up? <laughs> what if I just increase the, the concentration? No, <laughs> the label is the law. So that's really follow that that label. But this those time, are my top ones. Okay, and this time of year, I, I know a lot of people use the method where they'll they'll cut down the the species and then use glyphosate to paint the the remaining stump in the hopes that that'll keep uh, suckers from coming back in the spring. Is it warm enough to do that this time of year or does the cold make it harder for, for that system to work? I would really just make sure you do it immediately following the cut. Um, so within like, you know, half an hour of cutting that stump, do the application. And honestly, this time of year, too, because honeysuckle are multi-stemmed, cutting all those and properly treating all those stems for one plant can be challenging. So what we often recommend is what we do what we call basal bark application. So that's actually coating the bark with chemical about, you know, the top uh, from about 18 inches above the ground, uh, getting a good coverage on there. Um, and using, and again, look at the label, look at, we've got publications, I won't get into the details here, but we have publications on rates and chemical uh, concentrations and whatnot, but you'll want to use like what they call a penetrant. So something, a chemical, um, diesel fuel is a, is, a, is a common one to use that actually helps pull that chemical through the bark and get into the, um, the vascular tissue so it can translocate to the roots where you, where you want to hit it. So for multi-stemmed stuff, uh, like honeysuckle, basal bark application, we actually spray uh, the base of the stems is often a, a good good alternative there. And like you said, too, you could mow these down, uh, not treat them, and then wait for spring where they're, um, the reflush is lower and more easily uh, able to be hit with a foliar, foliar herbicide. So with all this stuff, it often takes a combination of treatments and it's never a one and done. That's what I would tell folks as well. Like you're, you're never just going to hit them and they're going to go away. It takes diligence. It takes monitoring. And it often takes a combination of, of tactics uh, to, to get these things under control. We are seeing so many invasive species. And, and of course, this is not new. But is it worse? Has, have there been conditions that have made this worse in Iowa in the last couple of years? I would say yes. Um, off the top of my head, you know, honestly... Um, one big issue we have, kind of a cultural issue in, in the state of Iowa, is most folks do not actively manage uh, their woodlands. 
So when that happens, when woodlands are neglected or you kind of have a, a hands-off approach, um, invasive species tend to uh, tend to become very prevalent. Uh, also, uh, you know, a lot of our forests are aging. Uh, we haven't done the management to kind of um, encourage regeneration and younger forests. So when those forests break up and we see these big disturbances, uh, invasive species love to take advantage over, over disturbances. So just, for example, after the derecho, a lot of our canopy in the central part of the state was, was opened up, uh, exposing the forest floor to a huge burst of sunlight. And when sometimes of these forests that weren't managed for invasive species, they, inc they took off incredibly with that new burst, burst of sunlight. So, yeah. And then you've got, you know, climate stressors, um, all the stressors we've introduced to our woodlands. Um, invasive species thrive under those kind of stressful situations. So I would, yes. So you mentioned that winter is really the time when you fell in love with the woods. It is also the time of year where a lot of us just want to stay inside and, and be warm and cozy. But <laughs> make your case. Why should we get out in the woods in the winter? Okay, no, I, I completely agree. And I think that winter is often, uh, it's a hot, no pun, sorry for the pun here. <laughs> it's a hot time for forestry. Uh, a lot of our management, so like timber harvesting, thinning, uh, goes on in the winter because you can move around easy. Uh, the, the soils are often frozen, so you min minimize soil compaction and erosion with equipment. Um, so us as foresters, we're often out in the winter a lot. Folks that I encourage to get out in the winter are often hesitant to for a variety of reasons. Obviously, this morning is a great example. Um, but I really want to start leveraging the winter or, or, or um, doing more things in the winter with, with forestry extension and education. And I've got my top. I, when I was uh, in middle school and high school, um, I wasn't really out in the woods a lot in the summer and spring. I was either doing a ton of fishing or working. But winter is really when I got out in the woods and really fell in love with forests and forestry. And my top things, this is kind of going to sound old timey here, but like um, I just absolutely love the, the solitude of the winter woods. In the summer, in the spring, it's obviously beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of background noise. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's people out there, which I love seeing people in the woods. But there's a lot of background noise and things like that. But in the winter, it's just almost dead silent. And all you can hear is kind of the trunks popping, the, the branches hitting together, uh, some scattered birds and wildlife. I just absolutely love the solitude. It's almost like meditating out there. Um, and the biggest thing I love about the woods in the winter is you can really see the nature of the forest. The leaves are gone. The understories kind of died back and being suppressed. You can see the shape of the trees. You can see individual trees. You can look up into the crowns and see... Um, is there damage up there? Is there any kind of vulnerability I should be looking for? Uh, wildlife stick out great in the winter, especially when there's snow cover. And you can just, I love just walking around and seeing like the playing CSI in the woodlands with the, with the snow, the, you know, the, the brush of a bird's wing or a coyote got into something, nailed a pheasant or something, and there's feathers everywhere. And just, you can really see how the wildlife use the woodlands, uh, in the winter. And really, if you look at species and species that hang on to their fruit and other um, assets to wildlife in the winter, you can see tracks and see how they use them and kind of educate yourself there too. So um, you can see the woods and you can really just have that absolute solitude. That's, that's my big two. So I know <laughs> it's kind of old timey. It's but... less windy in the woods. That's one of, <laughs> one of <laughs> that my. That's true. That is true. That is true. It's warmer. It's warmer in the woods. <laughs> I uh, like it. 
Billy Beck, Assistant Professor of Natural Resource Ecology and Management, also Iowa State University Extension Forester. For more gardening information and tips, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. You can find out more at iowapublicradio.org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Garden Variety is a production of Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension. It's produced by me, Aaron Style, Caitlin Troutman, and the Iowa Public Radio talk show team. For more garden goodness, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. Just go to iowapublicradio.org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. See you next time.